All right. Thank you very much, Randall. Um, I'm going to pray for Nat. And uh, for those who just uh, heard me go through the list of all the pastors and noticed I didn't mention Nat, um, it, it, it's, be, it's, because, um, it's because Nat is still with us. Um, he's not going anywhere. Um, I mentioned me, but we're going to pray for him because he's going to bring God's word. And, and, and one thing that, that Nat does when he gets to bring God's word is he, he for me looking in, he travails. He, he prays it through. He agonizes with, he wrestles with God and he weigh, weighs it upon himself that he makes sure that he, he brings what he feels God has led him through to bring to us on a Sunday. And so I'm just going to pray for him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this man. I thank you that he takes this task incredibly seriously and he wants to be your man at this time and at this place for such a time as this to bring your word to us as your people. A word that will encourage, will inspire, will challenge, will rebuke as necessary, but also will comfort. I pray, Lord God, that you would fill him anew with your Holy Spirit and that he will be your man at this moment, at this time. For us, your people, in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Now, uh, thank you to everyone who's been praying for me. I've been sick for on and off, I think it's about six weeks. So I've, I've got this microphone so that when I cough, I can, rather than have the one hanging around my um, mouth, that you would hear all of the coughs. Well, you may still hear them, yeah. yeah. That'll, that'll teach you for sitting in the front row. It's a Baptist, it's a Baptist church. <laughs> what are you doing in the front row? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Let's get started. <laughs> um, I, I hope you've had a week walking with Jesus and you know the rest of that. I, I was lucky last week. I got to spend a weekend with a good friend and mentor. We went down to Brisbane and um, spent some time together encouraging each other. And um, it was an amazing time. And I will share with you the things I learnt um, over the weekend. I actually fasted for most of Saturday until dinner time when we went out for dinner. But <laughs> it's the first time I've actually consciously gone, I'm going to do this fasting thing. And um, I, I really encourage it. Um, maybe don't go out for dinner on the night after you've done that. But we had two days together, so we really had to try and squeeze everything in. And fasting had to be squeezed into everything else we wanted to do. But I hope that you had a week walking with Jesus as well. So a book was written a number of years ago called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I haven't read it. I'm not, probably not going to read it. <laughs> but there's a quote in it I wanted to pull out today. And it is this. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Because this phrase, has, it's really stuck with me. And the idea of today's sermon is to remember that Christ is the centre. Sometimes, though, we miss the point. And we forget the main thing. Is Jordan paying attention? So like this little boy who said, I just watched a guy do 50 push-ups. Can you do that, Dad? <laughs> of course. Not to brag, but I could probably watch someone do 100 push-ups. <laughs> Or, or a parent telling their, their four-year-old child that they've put their shoes on the wrong feet. I don't have any other feet. <laughs> or or this, one, this one's written the wrong way around. But the girl named Ikea, having to change her name to stop being bullied at school. 
arguably, stop being bullied at school is a worse name. This is just, it's a little bit. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, it, it took me a while. It took me a couple of reads to get that one as well. There are there are amusing examples, aren't they? But all too often we we do miss the point. We easily miss the point. But on things that are far more important. I'm going to say a statement here, and hopefully you all go, yeah. The point of the Christian walk is our relationship with Jesus. And I know that sounds obvious, but, but it's a problem that, that we face to forget that and, and miss the point. And it's a problem that God's people have faced for thousands of years. Jesus, when rebuking the religious leaders of his day, said, you study the scriptures diligently because you, f- you think that in them you will have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify to me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. That's in John, and I forgot to put my reference there, and I forgot to make a slide. Sorry. <laughs> but it, it's a problem that God's people have faced, that, that they, don't, they forget the main thing is Jesus. We Christians have a history of not being able to keep the main thing the main thing. We've missed the point. On the holidays, the kids and I wanted to see some movies, and what was on, on what we had to choose from was disturbing. There's a disturbing new trend in movies. Honestly, I think we're in an era of creative emptiness when it comes to movies. The movies we had to choose from were Jurassic Park number six. I don't know. There's lots of them. Lightyear, which is a quasi-prequel to the Toy Story movie, so movie number five. Top Gun, two. Minions, I think we're up to movie number 556. I don't know. <laughs> Thor 4. And Downton Abbey, the movie 2. There's two Downton Abbey movies. What the? I don't <laughs> All of them are sequels. And I think the movie studios are missing the point. They're trying to recreate something that worked well. Five years ago, ten years ago, I think, how long ago was Top Gun? Like 20 years ago? 25 years ago? This worked before, so it should work again, right? And I'm, I'm going to have trouble looking at you this morning, Arthur. <laughs> this, is, this was written before this morning's conversation. Art and I had a conversation this morning. This, this is not an attack on Art. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to have trouble this morning. It worked before. Art and I had a discussion back there. Art said, we should be doing this because we did it at my church ages ago. And that's, that's not a fair summary of our discussion, but I feel as I'm saying these things, it's not... Uh, I'll talk to you later, Art. <laughs> we're, a fa- we're a family here of intergenerational, and we'll have a discussion later. Mo- movies are just trying to copy, try and recreate what they did before. It worked before, so it will work again now. So, and what movie studios mean by it worked before was it made us a lot of money before, and we want it to make us a lot of money again. And the reason people liked the movies, though, in the first place was because they were good stories. Sequels come with diminishing returns. Except for Back to the Future. But the, the, <laughs> the, main, the main thing that 
the movie making should be about is telling good stories. And I think we make the same mistake in churches. We fall into the trap of, back back in my day, just like the movie studios, Toy Story worked, so if we could just do that again, it'll work again. The church I was a part of in the 90s did X, Y, and Z, and we saw the church grow. If we could just do X, Y, and Z again, the church would grow. But here's the thing. We need to think of why did X, Y, and Z work. And it's not because it's a magic model that will make your church grow. I think we agree on that. Good. (laughs) It was because people in the church stopped to think, how do I communicate Jesus to this group of people, to this community? Christ was the centre of their planning, or at least they tried to put Christ at the centre of their planning. I have no doubt the church has failed in this as well. Some of the examples we looked at, and I'm not going to mention church names today, I've worked very hard to remove church names, but some of the examples of church growth that we look at happened when men and women prayed about where to plant a church. So they were starting in a very different place to what we are. But they were praying about the community they were moving into. They wanted to know who they were going to communicate the message of Jesus to. And yet churches continue to make the mistake of saying, insert church name here, did X, Y, and Z? If we do X, Y, and Z, we will see the same growth. Just like sequels in movies, you see diminishing returns. We have failed to put, or churches have failed to put Christ as a centre. So the, the back in my day, I think we all fall into it, don't we? We all have memories of of back in my day and we want to see that recreated and see that happen again. When I was in my 20s, I was part of a church that had been going through a tough few years. And having just left Cornerstone, I tried to encourage the leadership team that, that that time would be the perfect time to be putting in place a leadership, uh, sorry, a, a discipleship plan. And the leadership team met with me. All of the, the elders came and met with me. And I said, that's a great idea, Nat. When we get the new pastor, we'll ask him to do some sermons on discipleship. <laughs> I feel they missed the point. Um, I'm going to do a sermon on discipleship in a couple of weeks. But sermons on discipleship are not how discipleship happens. The church finally called their new pastor about a year later. And he came with a plan. He had a vision for the church and he was a strong leader. He had studied church growth strategies and was ready to implement everything he had learned. He had heard about how they'd worked in America and he'd just come from Sydney. And he reasoned that surely if we do what they did, it would work in our medium-sized country town in New South Wales. Right? One day he shared with us his plan. His church plan, church is like a Cornetto ice cream. What we want to do is have the band on the stage every week. We want a full band, everything, drums, guitars, multiple singers. And they will play only the latest songs from popular churches around the world. I want to give you a little bit of context. <laughs> The people that have been working in the music team for years without a pastor were two of us. 
and we had been moving towards... There's a, there's a stage, literally a stage here and a stage over there. And we had been moving the band to the stage over there. <laughs> and um, we'd often even have just the two of us. So Sideburn Steve, that was his name. His name was Steve and he had big sideburns. His name was Sideburn Steve. We would be doing duets on a Sunday evening. He was an awesome guitarist. I just banged away on the djembe. But a couple of weeks after the new pastor started, he pulled Sideburn Steve inside and I aside and he said, I want you guys to organise a full band every week because that's how we're going to be doing things now. The church had comfy chairs. I'll give them that. They were quite comfy chairs. Um, what I really liked about this church was it was in a cold place and the heating was in the floor. So I would actually come to church in winter when it was actually cold and I'd take my shoes off because everyone's going, why would you do that? It's cold. It's like the heating's in the floor. I'm getting warm. <laughs> and he said, we're going to start serving better coffee. I didn't disagree with that, but... And the sermons would be about issues that people faced and how Jesus was a good bloke and had some good teachings on how to live. None of that theology stuff. And he was quite proud of that, none of that theology stuff. He made that point a few times. And we would have a program aimed specifically at every group that was in the church. He wanted a program for everything. The idea was people would be attracted to our church like a Cornetto ice cream. You start at the top and you eat the ice cream down. And they would come for the good music and the comfy chairs and the heated floors. And they'd come for the good coffee. And then you're getting further down and you're getting to some groups. So you might get into a men's group or a mum's group or one of the young adults groups. There was a ministry for all ages. And as they came to church more often and heard these trendy sermons, they may ask more questions. They may ask more questions. And one day they might meet Jesus, that the Cornetto bit down the bottom there. The climax of the illustration is that Jesus was like the chocolate at the bottom. It's the best bit. And I don't disagree with that point. However, I believe that he missed the point in while the illustration did place Jesus as an important part, it's entirely possible for people to come to this building for years. Not this one, the one I was in. They could enjoy the music. They could enjoy the warm floor. They could go to all of the groups tailored just for them. And they could listen to message after message about things that they were struggling with and yet never meet Jesus. In reality, Jesus wasn't the most important thing in the illustration, was he? It was almost, almost an afterthought of you can enjoy all of this stuff and you might get to Jesus. Christ was not the centre of this model. And surprisingly to some, what worked in heavily populated urban centres in the United States and capital cities of Australia didn't directly translate to rural New South Wales. Who would have guessed? <laughs> At the same time, so this is weird, it was within months, and God was doing something in my life, I know. Within months, I was attending a training event with the Australian Navigators because I was doing work with uni students. And they showed me a different model. 
This, this model started like this. Do you notice there's some similarities <laughs> with the two models that I saw? This model started with one-to-one discipleship. The primary focus being each person's relationship with Jesus. The discipleship relationship would go through what the obedient Christian life looked like in action. And they developed this diagram. One of the first things you learn if you start hanging around a navigator is that Christ is the centre. And together your mentor, with your mentor you memorise some Bible verses. And I forgot to cut them up, but I've got some Bible verses for you to memorise after today. And the first one is this, Galatians 2.20. Who's a Colin Buchanan fan? Because you should already know this one. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. <laughs> for those at home, some, some people actually sang the Colin Buchanan song down here. It's very nice. Well done. Yes. So there you go. You already know that one. Um, so it's, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is the center of my life now. The second, the second one is not as easy to remember, but, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. I've just given you so many different translations because I tried to memorize that one. And I tried in about five different translations, so now I've got a conglomeration of all those translations <laughs> in my head, and I always get it wrong. The interesting thing here is the model that after you start meeting one-on-one, you might start meeting in groups of two or three, prayer triplets, small groups, gathering to read the Bible. And then you gather in larger groups. At university, we might have 20 or 30 people meet on a, a given night. Or then we go to training events where there's hundreds of people. The meeting spaces got bigger, and often you started singing together. So one person would bring their guitar along and would start singing together and having fellowship together. In other words, like, you ended up with all that stuff of the Cornetto ice cream as well. If people like good coffee, then good coffee became part of the group. Times of worship began to flow from members of the group sharing their giftings. Basically in this model, if you concentrate on Christ being the center, all the other stuff flows. It was the opposite to the Cornetto ice cream. And this is what I noticed. It's as if, if we, seek God, if we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be given to us as well. Again, who would have thought? Where did I get that idea from? So it's in the small things. I know this, it's a funny thing, isn't it? It's, I think it's in the small things where the differences are. And I believe the navigator's method works because it's actually much closer to what some of those bigger churches that grew fast did. The model that growing churches in big city used was not trying to copy what another church down the street was doing. They would create a character who embodied their community. Who were they talking to? And I'm not going to tell that you can do a Google search on these and, and find specific characters that churches have created. One of them... I'm not going to give their name, but is described as well-educated. They like their job. Health and fitness are, are priorities for them. He'd rather be in a large group than a small one. He thinks 
he is enjoying life more now than he was five years ago. Does that sound like our community? I don't think so. The list goes on for this character, and it's quite specific. And the problem is this. Times change. People change. And priorities of people change. This was about 30, 35 years ago that this character was created. I even question if this character is valid for that church now. Has the community that church has put themselves in stayed exactly the same as it was 35 years ago? I doubt it. We need to know our community. I'm not saying we need to create a little cartoon character that talks about that. I I do have a problem with the he on that. What about the women in that community? Do we just ignore them? (laughs) What about the children in that community? It was, uh, I had a problem when I read that. You may not have the bigger problem as, as I did with that. But the question is still important. Who are we ministering to here on the Sunshine Coast? How do we communicate Jesus to this group of people? And I want to give you some lessons that I've personally learned. You may have different lessons, and we need to sit down and talk about this. We're an intergenerational, uh, intergenerational family who are being transformed into the likeness of Christ, impacting others with his love. So the fact that we're a family, today is not the end. This is what I've learned in my, my, with my oikos. None of the Christians that I spend time with are interested in crusade-like events or arena spectacular shows that talk a bit about Jesus. Not one of them. Not interested. Academic apologetics has had its day. From the early 90s and probably the early 2000s, apologetics was huge. So apologetics is having an answer to the questions that people were asking. And I spent about 10 to 15 years learning all of it. I, I immersed myself in apologetics. I absolutely loved it. And I've used it not once. I have a whole, lot of, a whole list of answers to questions that no one is asking anymore. <laughs> it's a problem. Times have changed and the questions people are asking have changed. It's no use that I have these answers listed in my head because no one's asking those questions. One question that is being asked is, what difference does Jesus make? And don't take this lightly. Our communities have seen the failure of Christian leaders. And we need to not underestimate the impact that this has had. If Jesus makes a difference, people are expecting evidence of that. And they have seen more of the same old, same old. They have seen church leaders abusing power. And it has impacted their view of Jesus. Authenticity matters to people that I interact with. You may interact with different people, but authenticity matters. Depth matters. Shallow answers don't cut it. Many people in our community have known real suffering and they're looking for answers that address their deep pain. 
So what can we do about it? We do believe that Jesus is the answer. But how do we communicate this to our community? And I think it's about the small things. Little things you can do today and this week. Get to know your neighbour. I know we say this a little bit here, but we, we try and help as much as we can. We've even got a little sheet here to help you write down the names of your neighbours to remind you of who to pray for. Donnie talked about the two, the great commandment the other week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. And the other is just like it. So there's not one great command. The, the second one is just like it. It's the same great command. Love your neighbour as yourself. You can't love your neighbour as yourself if you don't go and meet your neighbours. And we don't have to... I'm not just talking about the people next door to you, the people at work, the people in your clubs that you attend. They're your neighbour. Get to know them. And develop authentic relationships with them. I don't know your experiences with Amway, but Amway many years ago had the reputation of destroying friendships because people in Amway would be very excited about Amway and they'll try and convince you to join Amway as well and then it became such a thing with, with a number of people that you couldn't be my friend if I was in Amway and you didn't join Amway too you couldn't be my friend anymore because Amway became such a big thing that's not the way of Jesus authentic friendship means you're friends with these people who you interact with every day regardless of whether they come to church with you on Sunday morning. It might be 20 years of friendship and then something happens and your friendship gives you an insight into their life and 20 years later they start to listen to you talking about Jesus. Authentic relationships that last time. And it's here in authentic friendship that discipleship starts because discipleship matters which is something we're going to look at tonight or start looking at tonight and one-to-one -one discipleship is something we look, we're going to look at in a couple of weeks when I continue lastly I want to leave you with the Apostle Paul's instructions to the Colossian church and this one I have a song because the man who taught me this verse sung it and <laughs> so I think this sums up what we can do to keep the main thing, the main thing. And it comes from Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6. And I'll turn it upside down so you can see that I know this one. When you are with unbelievers, always make good use of your time. Be pleasant and keep their interest when you speak the message. And be ready to answer anyone who has questions. The main thing of the Christian faith is walking with Jesus. And it all starts with our relationship with him.